Hello and welcome to Safer Stronger Kids, the podcast. I'm Caroline Allen. My goal in my business and through this podcast is to help you raise kind, resilient young people and is to walk alongside you on your journey towards safer, stronger parenting. Thanks so much for joining me. Since you became a parent, have you ever found yourself feeling burnt out? Have you felt reactive instead of proactive? Or have you felt like you've just lost the joy of parenting? Have you ever felt like you just can't connect to your child in the way that you really always assumed you would? If you have, I want you to know it's nothing to feel ashamed of. In fact, shame will only prevent you from seeking the help you might really need. In my professional development days as a social worker, I learned there's a name for this experience. It's called blocked care. It's when your ability to sustain care for your child in the most ideal, loving way is blocked due to your own needs for connection and care being unmet. But if you understand what's happening and why, you can also learn what you can do about it. And that's the really good news. There are things you can do. That's what this podcast today is about. It's taken from a training from inside my group membership called The Village. Of course, it's been edited to protect people's privacy. If you're curious about my group coaching membership, there's a link in the show notes. But for now, here's your show. Enjoy. All right, let's talk about blocked care. First learned about blocked care from the master himself, a man called Dan Hughes. So I attended a two-day training with Dan Hughes back when I was working for Berry Street, and Berry Street were always very generous in funding lots of professional development. And we were doing that training because blocked care is particularly relevant to foster carers because when you're a foster carer, you're often caring for children with extensive amounts of trauma, reactive attachment disorders, oppositional defiant disorders, can make it particularly challenging to sustain caring for them and can make a carer more vulnerable to going into a state of blocked care. So I had always just associated it primarily with foster carers, and then also parents who are caring for children with particular disabilities. So if they're caring for a child with a particular disability, one that might prevent them from giving you much feedback. So we are all, our children and us, we are wired for connection. And when we experience those moments of connection, those moments of feedback, it releases dopamine in our brain. We talk about dopamine all the time. It's so important. We feel the dopamine, gives us that sense of reward, that gives us that boost. It enables us to keep going. But if we're caring for a child where their capacity for connection or expressing that connection is blocked for whatever reason, or it might not even just be blocked, but they actually react to it, the sense of connection makes them feel vulnerable and scared, so they push it away, that can mean that we don't get the dopamine that we need in order to give us the reward and enable us to keep going. So it's the brain chemical. The brain is not getting the release of the chemicals it needs to sustain itself and we can enter a state of blocked care. Now, that's why I'd always associated it with foster carers and then also parents and carers caring for kids with particular disabilities that might interrupt that flow of connection 
or expression of the connection from a child. But the more I think about it, and also as I was reading Glennon Doyle's Untamed, there were some things that popped up that made me realise, oh, it's not just that. Blocked care is actually something that can happen for everyone. And it might be that we experience it intermittently, but regularly over a long period of time. We might experience it persistently over a long period of time, or we might just experience it every now and then. Now, for those of you who've read Glennon Doyle's Untamed, it was in that she described the river of love. For some of us as a child, for some people, the river of love from a parent was blocked, was obstructed. The love couldn't get through. There was an obstruction in the way. So the child is always deserving and worthy of that love, but for whatever reason, for some reason, it couldn't flow from the parent to the child. That's a really apt description of blocked care, where there's something in the way that prevents that flow of love from parent to child. And so for some parents, that can happen over that longer period. For some people, they might dip in and out. And for sometimes, it might also just happen for brief periods of time or even just in a split second, just in a moment. Like those moments where you're just worn out and you just had enough and you can feel the reactiveness in yourself and suddenly the child is the problem. And all of the feelings that you're having get projected onto the child. Everything becomes a child's fault. If the child would just change, everything would change. We've probably all had moments where we can relate to that experience, where the river of love, the river of empathy, the river of patience <laughs> has just been obstructed. So let's go more into talking about blocked care technically. Okay, I want to run you through the technical, technical, yeah, some of the Dan Hughes stuff. So if you listen to this session and then you want to learn more about it, either for professional reasons or for your own reasons, the book to go to is Brain-Based Parenting, The Neuroscience of Caregiving for Healthy Attachment. I have not read it. I've done the training that's attached to it, but I'm sure it'll be an more interesting read than what it sounds. <laughs> so it's Brain-Based Parenting, The Neuroscience of Caregiving for Healthy Attachment. It's by Dan Hughes and Jonathan Balin. All right, I'm going to run you through some things. So the first reason, according to Dan Hughes and Jonathan Balin, the first reason, the first, or the, no, the first type of blocked care is um, chronic. So chronic blocked care is when that river of love is blocked on an ongoing basis or it might open up every now and then, but the obstruction is persistent. And they describe the main reason for that occurring is that a parent might have grown up in fear themselves. They might have had an upbringing that was particularly challenging, a lot of trauma, an environment, a culture of lack of safety where connection was dangerous. Yeah where caregivers didn't show up for them consistently or that relationship with the caregiver was actively unsafe. And so as a result, they might actually have an amygdala that is enlarged. So that fear centre of the brain, the guard dog of the brain is enlarged because of all of those experiences growing up. 
And as a result of that, and when they go to parent, the guard dog is still more reactive. The guard dog reacts at the child. The guard dog's fired up and looking to protect. And that interrupts that flow of that river of love. It creates an obstruction. Consistent, attuned, patient <laughs> caregiving is a struggle because of all of the triggers, because of the wiring of the brain. Now, that all sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? But the truth is that can happen to so many people. If you've grown up parented in a way that was really command and demand, where you didn't feel safe, where the relationships themselves, the ones that you were wired to depend on for your own survival, if they were actually unsafe, then yeah, that's going to result in an enlarged amygdala because that guard dog has had so much practice at keeping you safe. So of course, it's going to do the same thing when you're parenting your own children. But we've talked a lot about the brain in this group, haven't we? We know that our brain and our bodies, so our nervous system and our brain, we can do something about it. Just because it's the way it was wired as we were growing up doesn't mean it have to stay that way. We can take action to actually physically reduce the size of the amygdala and help that guard dog learn that it doesn't need to be so sensitive anymore. <laughs> that it doesn't need to be so quick to jump in and protect us. So that's the first type of blocked care. When it's chronic and it's rooted in the carer or parent's own experiences growing up. Now, if this is you, it'll already be resonating with you. You'll already be thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That river of love does get blocked. Mm -hmm. My guard dog does fire up really fast. The guard dog is the thing. The guard dog had a lot of practice growing up. And the guard dog, that reactiveness, that's the thing. That's the thing that's getting in my way. That's the thing that stops these relationships feeling gentle and soft and safe. That's the thing that turns me into a parent I didn't ever plan on being. Okay, so that was the first type of chronic. The second type is called the acute, acute blocked care. Now, acute is more like a sudden onset. So it comes about or might be stirred up, the river becomes blocked because of an event, perhaps a grief and loss experience in the family or a sudden traumatic event. Something that triggers the parent or carer to be so overwhelmed by their own emotions that they can't be available for the child's. Of course, this could happen to any of us. If we lose a parent or a friend, we lose our job, relationship breakdown, financial stress. There are many reasons where we might experience or we might be triggered into a state of acute blocked care none of which are our fault but just because life life happens it's when that cup our own cup is so full not of good things <laughs> but of stress and overwhelm and feelings that the cup is now flowing out onto our kids and we cannot possibly 
fill it with any of our kids' stuff. There's just no space. There's no room. We're going to flip our lids more easily. We're going to be more reactive. We're going to be less patient. We're not going to be able to take the time and respond to the feelings behind the behaviour. We're going to find ourselves trapped in a cycle of just trying to stomp out the behaviours because we don't have the capacity. There's no space in the cup for their feeling. So almost as a survival mechanism, we hone in on just the behaviour because that's all that we have space for. It's all we have room for in ourselves, in our bodies. We're just too full of our own stuff, not because we're doing something wrong, but just because of life can happen to anybody. In fact, it's kind of inevitable in this life, isn't it? It'd be a miracle to make it through our whole parenting journey without some experience like that that increases our levels of stress and makes it so much harder for us to embody and actually be the parent that we're aspiring to be. So chronic, acute. Now there's also child-specific blocked care. This one's particularly challenging. Challenging because I think the others can evoke shame. Like the others can evoke guilt, shame, distress, all of the things. But this one I think takes it to another level. Because we're meant to love our kids all equally, aren't we? We're meant to respond to them all the same. We want them to feel equal in our love and in the, our capacity to give them that love, in their worthiness. But if we have a child who, for some reason, isn't able to give us the feedback, maybe it's because of their own traumatic experiences, maybe they are a child in care, maybe there is reactive attachment disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, attachment difficulties like a disorganised attachment style or an insecure or avoidant attachment where the child, they don't feel safe in relationships. The way they feel safe is actually to keep that relationship at a distance or to be the one controlling the relationship. They need to be the one in charge of the relationship to feel safe. In fact, it might be there's nothing in the world that makes them feel more unsafe than a person who's attuned and paying attention to them because they've never had that before. So parenting or caring for a child who is experiencing that, of course, you can see how they're not going to give the feedback, are they? In fact, when you're doing your most attuned, patient, you're embodying the care parent or carer you want to be and then it seems to get thrown back in your face. There's no dopamine release. So the brain doesn't get sustained in the way that it needs to be. And all of those happy chemicals start to plummet. You can see how it becomes in a loop too. No dopamine release. You start to feel exhausted. You feel questioning yourself. Then you start to get reactive. Then you start to feel shame. You're feeling guilt. You feel like you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're not doing enough. Things you're doing aren't working. It's a really quick downhill spiral. So it says in my notes, in a child-specific instance, the parent or caregiver's efforts might be met with indifference or even hostility. 
really, really challenging situation to find yourself in. Now, the final type of blocked care is considered to be stage-specific, i.e. adolescence. (laughs) So it can happen when our child is going through a challenging developmental phase and they are pushing back on the relationship. We start to feel hopeless. We're not getting that sense of reward. We're not getting that dopamine release. And we start to take that negative spiral downwards too. Probably we might even be more vulnerable to that stage-specific blocked care if our own adolescence was really challenging. Like if we had a challenging relationship with our parents at 13, 14, then when we see our child doing the same things that we did, that's going to evoke a lot of fear, a lot of neurological and biological markers, (laughs) triggers are going to get set off about what went on back then. It's just like we've gone back in time. We're repeating the experience, except that this time we're in the parenting role. Really quick pathway into blocked care. Just as a side note, you remember when you have a baby, all the way back to babyhood. Some of you guys do have babies right now. It's hard work, right? Sleepless nights, the endless nappy changing, the crying, the physically demanding nature of it. And then comes that first smile that first time they giggle at what you do the first time they reach out and are able to give you a cuddle it seems like those moments happen just in time don't they it could be that we're becoming so stressed so challenged so exhausted and then boom there's a smile (sighs) dopamine sustains us We're able to tune back in. We're renewed, a renewed sense of compassion, empathy, and all of the things. It charges our batteries back up again. We need that. Our brains need that connection just as much as our children do. It's the thing, that connection and the subsequent dopamine release, it's the thing that recharges our batteries. And when we don't get it, because it's blocked from the child for whatever reason, or because of our own past experiences that make it particularly challenging, we don't get our batteries charged back up. And just like a toy running out of batteries or remote control or anything, ooh, starts to flounder, starts to get harder and harder. We become less effective, less attuned, less patient, more reactive. We start blaming the child. We start thinking life would be so much easier if we had this child or if only we could go back in time. We question ourselves, we doubt ourselves, we fall in a heap. You probably all, if you've ever felt that, if you've felt like your batteries have just gone flat, like there was nothing charging you back up again, if it doesn't feel safe enough, that's totally fine too. But I just want to give you a great big hug and go, everyone has been there at some point. So how do you know? How would you know if you're in blocked care? Well, chances are that as I've been talking, it's already started to resonate. You might be able to identify a period of your life where you were more reactive and you were starting to blame, see more negative bits about the child, like as in you were just focused on what the negative, challenging stuff they were doing and you lost the ability to see the good as well. Yeah. 
So you might be able to think about a period of time where you started doing that. You might be able to see it as a pattern and a particular challenge for you. You might be thinking, oh, I can see how that connects to my own childhood. Or you might be able to think of a time when, yeah, it was an acute experience of a sudden stress, grief and loss from somewhere else that suddenly blocked your capacity to give to your child. We have these really overwhelming patches in our lives. And think of how... Oh, you know, if you think about Dr. Sophie Brock and her work on the good enough mother and this, you know, everything she does about motherhood and the pressure on mothers to be, you know, kind of perfect and to sustain all the love and all the patience and all the care and the shame that can therefore be evoked when we don't manage to match that kind of archetype. Oh, like it's a lot. Society conditions us to think that we have to be this perfect matriarch who can just keep going no matter what, whose batteries are somehow self-sustaining and self-charging. And <laughs> we have to do all of the things. And especially these days, because, you know, we've got to totally like have a career and have the children and maintain the house to be so tidy and perfect and have children that sleep through the night and are perfectly behaved and just do all of the things. <sighs> We're human. We need our batteries charged too. We're not invincible. So let's go back to how do you know you're in blocked care? And I was saying it's probably already resonating. You can probably already think of times when you, that river of love, river of love just wasn't able to flow to your child. But here's a little dot point checklist. And not all of them will resonate, maybe just one or two. Yeah. It's when we become reactive instead of proactive. We become defensive and guarded we feel burnt out those batteries have gone flat there's no pleasure in parenting anymore we've lost the joy we've lost the fun we're in survival mode scraping through every day doing that maybe just doing the absolute bare minimum just wishing for bedtime and it's normal. It's kind of normal to wish for bedtime. But if you've been in a state of blocked care, the wishing for bedtime is going to be at a different level. Feeling stuck. So it might be that you've got a parenting challenge, you know, experiencing challenging behaviours from a child and you just run out of ideas. Like you cannot think of any more things that you could possibly do about it. And when you see that behaviour in your child, the trigger, the fear that you feel, the overwhelm that you feel, the frustration that you feel, the reactiveness that you feel, the speed with which you flip your lid. It's going to be next level. Okay, so feeling stuck. You feel isolated and sensitive. So in a state of blocked care, the shame about how you're feeling about parenting, the shame about your own level of reactiveness, the shame about your own level of stuckness can be overwhelming. And we all know that what shame does is silence us. We don't want to talk about it because the shame literally makes us shut our mouths. It's too hard to speak about. You might feel cynical, compassion fatigue, shut down. And just like Glennon Doyle described, that river of love, it's not flowing to our child. We feel the obstruction. We know that it's not flowing, 
but we don't know how to change it. In that moment, when you're in blocked care, it can be really hard to see what it is that's actually going on because you're in survival mode and you're in it. So it can be really, really hard to stand back and go, yeah. The particularly challenging thing with blocked care, I really want to normalise it. Really want you to know it's such a normal thing to experience either over a longer period because of our own past experiences or through particular stages in life. But in those moments, the sad part, the extra, extra hard part, is that for our child, they do experience it as being about them. So if we think of our own experience of blocked care, even if it's just a momentary one where that river was just stopped for whatever reason, there was no flow of that water. You'll know that that was about you. That was about what was going on for you, your own experiences, your own triggers, your own upbringing, your own level of stress, your own, the fact that you're feeling frustrated, you might feel invisible, you might feel like you're not making a contribution in the wider world, you might think that people have forgotten about you, like there's so many stories and things that can be going on that stop the flow of that river. But the child on the other side does experience that as being about them because children are developmentally egocentric. So if we don't find a way to repair it with them, if we don't talk to them, if we don't let them in just a little bit to our experience, they do walk away thinking, it's me. If it's a chronic over that longer period of time, it becomes the I'm not worthy, I wasn't worthy story. I'm not worthy, there was something wrong with me. I am unlovable. And that's not what any of us want for our kids, is it? Like it sits so heavily to think of them experiencing it as being about them. And when I talk about how we've got to let them in, a little bit of insight into our experience and that's the only way we can prevent it becoming about them, it's hard because we don't want to make it their problem. Our children are not our friend. They're not our confidant. They're not to bear. It's not appropriate for us to turn them into a pseudo-counsellor. We can't sit them down and talk about how our parents struggle to love us so we find it hard to express our love to them <laughs> or all of those things. We can't do that. But what we can do is in the moment where it really flares up, we take responsibility for our feelings and we take responsibility for our own reactiveness. And we say in that moment, I'm sorry that I yelled. I wasn't fair before. Yeah, I was feeling overwhelmed and tired and I took it out on you and I'm sorry. So that repair becomes so important again. It's not making it their problem. It's not saying, hey, I need your help to support me through this or I need you to sit and listen to me talk about my feelings. But all it is doing is taking a moment to take responsibility for our feelings and our reactions instead of letting it sit on their shoulders and then allowing them to just carry that forward into their own future and becomes a narrative that they carry with them for a very long time. So what do we do? What do we do? If we do, like I said, when we're in blocked care, there might be times where you spot it, where you feel it, and then other times you're so deep in it. I've seen foster carers, I've worked with foster carers who are so deep in it that they believe the stories that are happening in their head are 100% true. And that's really that's a really hard space for them and it can be hard to bring them out of it. So it's a challenge. But if you do have that moment 
where you feel like that river of love is getting stopped, if you feel like you're being really reactive, if you feel like you're focused in on the challenging aspects of your child, if you feel stuck in a place of fear and you know your empathy and your patience aren't how you want them to be, then there's a good chance that's blocked care. So what are we going to do about it? Well, the very first thing is that recognising it and saying, oh, that's what this is. This isn't about my child. This is me and I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to do something about how I'm feeling right now. I've recognised this feeling and I'm using it as my guidepost to let me know that I need to take some radical responsibility for how I'm feeling right now. I have to take action for myself and for my kids. So work hard to recognise it. If it's a momentary thing, like a momentary obstruction, then just emotion coaching yourself might be enough. Walking yourself through the steps of emotion coaching, identifying how you're feeling, naming the feeling, <laughs> yeah, thinking about how to problem solve it, validating your own feelings, saying to yourself, hey, it's okay to feel frustrated, it's okay that you feel exhausted. What do you need right now? What do you need to do for yourself right now? Those are really important steps. So often in blocked care, what we do instead is we just keep marching on. Like we can't, because we're in survival, it's like all we think is we just have to keep going. And no matter how bad, we just sort of keep putting one foot in front of the other because we're in survival. When actually the thing that can shift us out of survival mode is to acknowledge the feelings and remember that they are our guidepost and we need to meet our needs. So just like if a plane is about to crash, you put on your oxygen mask first. If the boat is sinking, you get into the lifeboat raft, yeah? And focus on your own survival. And as you do, you will enable your children to be safe too. So emotion coach yourself first. Think about how you need to meet your needs. In particular, think about things like connection. Now, the reason I'm singling out connection is because of that dopamine release. If for some reason you're not able to access it with your kids right now or they're not able to give it to you, Accessing it somewhere else. Friends. Talking with them on the phone is great. In real life is even better. In real life is going to engage our social engagement system in a different way. It's going to release more dopamine. So get that dopamine fired up from a different source. Plug your batteries back in. Recharge them from a different source. So connection. Support. Movement. Movement is such a reliable way of releasing all kinds of positive chemicals in our body. It literally reinvigorates us. It's another beautiful way for us to recharge our batteries. Now, when we're in survival mode, when we're in a state of blocked care, the idea of moving can feel like the last thing you want to do. But the irony is that once you start doing it, you'll feel so much better. And also, contribution. Now I know that sounds crazy because when you're in that blocked care you're already contributing so much to your kids aren't you? Like you're already in survival mode because you're trying so hard to just get through the day. The thought of contributing somewhere else like how? The reason we single it out is because if we're making a con contribution in 
larger society, like outside of the home, whether it's volunteering or work, like an external contribution, what happens is A, we build connections, but also we feel more visible. We're getting feedback from elsewhere. So again, in a state of blocked care, that might feel like a mountain to climb. But the irony is that once you start climbing it, you get your energy back. You recharge the battery. I think it's a really, really common experience, particularly for stay-at-home mums, to start to feel invisible, to start to feel like people have forgotten that they're even there, to start to feel like they're living a groundhog day. And that can lead us to a state of blocked care. So even though we're already fine feeling overwhelmed, finding ways to feel visible outside of the home can help re-energize us. All right, so meet your own needs. Think of how you can boost those dopamine levels. The next step is to make sure you talk about it. It's the answer with everything that evokes shame, isn't it? The way shame tries so hard to silence us, but actually to be free of it, we have to speak it. We have to speak about our own shame. We have to speak about how hard we're finding this parenting gig. We have to talk about how stuck we are. We have to talk about our overwhelm. We have to talk about the fact that we know that we're being react too reactive. We have to talk about the fact that we might be aiming this at one particular child or that we're feeling really triggered by the developmental stage that they're in right now. We have to talk about the fact that we've lost the pleasure in parenting and we don't know how to find it again. All of the things that we're least likely to want to say out loud. <laughs> the exact things that we need to start talking about. If talking about it out loud feels too hard in that moment, then write about it. Start writing about it in a journal. Let it all out in there. It helps. And if you've listened to our the Science of Safety sessions, which are now in the Guides tab, in their own guide, think about all the things that improve our vagal tone that help us climb that ladder of that autonomic nervous system. They are all the things that are going to help us out of blocked care as well. So we talked about things like elevation, as in watching acts of kindness from others. We talked about awe. So getting outside, being reminded that the world is bigger than us, looking at things that release a sense of awe. The pathway out of blocked care. What else did we talk about? We talked about movement. We talked about sound as well. So playlists. We also talked though about vocal bursts, which I know, this sounds so ridiculous. But simply singing, humming, om meditations, those vocal bursts improve our vagal tone and help us climb up that ladder of our nervous system regulation back into that ventral vagal state where we feel relaxed and engaged and connected and joyful and we're having fun and we can learn and all of those things. The exact same things that can help us navigate those moments of blocked care. So, blocked care, it's a challenge. It might not be something that you're experiencing right now. Right now, you might be like, no, things are good. Yeah, like I feel connected to my kids. I feel like the river of love is flowing. 
You might just be having momentary challenges, but you know, it doesn't feel like blocked care. It just feels like a momentary challenge. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about this because either you've experienced it in the past and just being able to put a name to it and knowing that it's nothing, it's not something like, I don't want to say it's not something to feel shamed about because it's like I want to say all feelings are normal are okay, so if we feel shame, that's normal. But at the same time, I want to help lift that shame that you might be experiencing with that, about that past experience because if we can give it a name, blocked care, and we know that it happens because the dopamine wasn't being released in the way that we needed and we got stuck, we got blocked, our batteries ran out, and we know it's not our fault. Doesn't mean we didn't love our kids. Doesn't mean we're not grateful. Doesn't mean we're not coping. Doesn't mean we're not capable. Doesn't mean we're fundamentally flawed. Doesn't mean any of those things. It means there was very, very, very good, justifiable, understandable reasons why we experienced that. And it makes perfect logical sense because we're all human and we're not invincible. So if you've experienced in that, that in the past, I just want to give you this information because I think it can help to lift that feeling of shame. And if you ever feel it in the future, if you ever feel in yourself that that river of love has stopped flowing to your kids and you have run out of empathy and patience and you are blaming them and you are targeting them and you are being triggered by them and you have lost the joy, you've lost the pleasure in parenting and you have, your batteries have run out, I am crossing my fingers and hoping that you remember the phrase blocked care and hoping you remember that this is not about you, that this is, again, because you're not human and your batteries have run out and your dopamine is needs recharging, it needs a source. <laughs> yeah. And if you can name it, if you go, oh, I'm in a state of blocked care, how empowering is that? It's like that Fred Rogers saying, once something has a name, it becomes mentionable. And when something that's mentionable is manageable. Blocked care, that's its name. Now that we have a name for it, it's mentionable and it's manageable. And the way we're going to manage it is by emotion coaching ourselves, meeting our needs, meeting our need for dopamine, meeting our needs for connection, contribution, support, movement, doing the things that we know bring us up that nervous system ladder and improve our vagal tone or elevation, all of the things we talked about in that session. And, of course, talking about it, just the talking about it. They're going, this is what I'm feeling and it feels shit. <laughs> We're allowed to say it. It's powerful, isn't it? It's freeing. It's liberating. We're human, not invincible. Just because we're mums and we are all amazing <laughs> and we do amazing things, it doesn't make us invincible. We need a chance to recharge too. And there are going to be times when that gets really, really hard. It sits pretty heavily, doesn't it? Like it's a tough topic to talk about. But I think that what the world needs is that we all get better at talking about the tough topics and <laughs> talking about the tough times and talking about the stuff that brings up the shame, all of the things. 
because when we talk about it we make it easier for other people to talk about it and then we really start to change the world so thank you guys so much for listening i hope that has been helpful even if it's not helpful for today because it's not something you're feeling might be helpful in the future thanks so much for joining me for safer stronger kids the podcast if you'd like to find out more about what i do Visit my website, saferstrongerkids.com. Follow me on Facebook, Caroline Allen, Safer Stronger Kids. And follow me on Instagram, at Safer Stronger. Can't wait to talk to you again soon.